And then when they and then when he comes back, they're just like, "Oh, happy to have you, Bobby." And it's just like, "Shut up!" <laughs> no, you aren't. You just had half a game where you were basically getting <laughs> on the pitch, and now you're just like, <laughs> "I apologize." <laughs> Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I'm your host, David Osger, and we are still entertaining you during lockdown. I'm also joined by my good friend and the guru of all things good and bad. It is Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. Hello, my son. (laughs) Yeah, he's now got a t-shirt wrapped around his head. Lockdown is is really brought... In a peaceful. I mean, peaceful that was Jedi true. Throughout. That was true until this episode. And I think people understand. <laughs> understand why, yeah. So we've had a bit of a break. We've had like a nice little May break, a uh, nice two weeks. Give us that sort of bit of time to sort of collect ourselves, go through some things we wanted to watch. Uh, last episode was our 20th episode, so it seemed like a nice place to sort of leave off. For two weeks we're doing a lot of content up until then to keep you guys entertained during lockdown and now uh, we've come back with a really fun and really interesting topic today which we'll get on to soon quickly though craig has wanted to sort of cover you know some of the stuff you've been watching during lockdown i know you want to sort of get through some of your long-awaited films you've had on your list for quite a while yeah so because i was inspired uh, by a full fat videos essay about jake gyllenhaal in uh, spider-man far from home I ended up watching Nightcrawler, which is which has been on my list for a while, and Jesus Christ, that film took me aback. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just one of the most mesmerizingly dark things I've seen in a while. I've heard a couple of people say it's a uh, for anyone who enjoyed Whiplash, it's nice. It's a nice bit of a counterpoint to it because while Whiplash is a film about the consequences of the striving for success on yourself, uh, Nightcrawler is the consequences of striving success on others and. It definitely is that, and it's just an incredible film. And just like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is one of the most clinical, sinister performances I've seen in a while. It was a great and enjoyable film. And then immediately after that, I watched Moneyball for some reason onto myself. But even then, I enjoyed it. I understand why Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine loves it, because the statistical analysis is fascinating. Yeah, they're they're two big ones, like you, you said before, that are always on critical lists or must-watch lists. And yeah, uh, Nightcrawler is definitely one that comes up, which you can see why Jake Gyllenhaal then started to get a lot bigger roles or more serious roles. But yeah, like like me and Craig, everyone at the moment is sort of using this chance to, to watch through different content, watch films they've never seen, have binge sessions of Lord of the Rings and big franchises like Star Wars, etc. And, you know, many of our friends and members of the Well Good Movies team have sort of come to us telling us about their interesting experiences. So today we have previous guest Shelley Taylor, uh, who give us uh, quite interesting, a very fun idea uh, because of what she challenged herself to do during lockdown. So hello, Shelley, and tell us, tell us about the challenge you give yourself. Tell, tell you my crimes. <laughs> Um, well, I'll start off with other stuff I've been watching, but also I wanted to say I love Nightcrawler. It's so good. I've seen it like 10 times. 
but yeah, so I watched uh, The Martian for the first time last week. Oh, fantastic. That was a really, really good film. Like, I didn't realize how long it was when I finished. I was like, oh, it's three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's so fascinating. And no one was, like, frustratingly stupid. Like, they all did the intelligent thing. It was really good. Anyway, with that out the way, for some reason, I decided to try and watch every Adam Sandler film during lockdown. I'm living in Somerset at the minute, uh, looking after members of my family who are isolating. And I always struggle to find a film to watch. So I find if I, I set myself a really narrow parameter, like an Adam Sandler film, then I can just quickly find one within that that I want to watch. So yeah, that's why I, I did it. My other option was Nicolas Cage, and I thought, I don't know if I can cope with that many ups and downs. <laughs> like, at least with Adam Sandler, it's kind of one level, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't know if you guys do. Yeah, <laughs> it's the different genres, and it, it's. I suppose with Adam Sandler, he has, you know, it's his production company. There's a bit more of a consistency with. A lot of people say with Nick Cage is just... Accept any script. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Adam Sandler's got like 60-odd films, and there's quite a few that don't, like, fit. I'm going for, like, the actor-writer kind of ones, like his Happy Madison Productions ones. So I said on Facebook that I was doing this, and, uh, and you both laughed at me, but... Uh, <laughs> You still laughing? Still laughing? At <laughs> Who's laughing now? For the record, I had literally no choice in this. <laughs> I was just told this is what we're doing, and <laughs> well, David's still laughing. <laughs> David's still breathing, and that's something else we're going to address. <laughs> His first film that he worked on came out in 1989, and uh, so did I. And I'm 30. <laughs> I decided split it in half 15 years so up to 2004 2005 and then the next one will be 2005 to present where he's doing you know he's got his netflix is it a netflix film yeah yeah he sort of tends to do a lot of netflix originals i think the yeah. the, the last official one was sort of mood and mystery they seem to keep a, a sort of more consistent theme of that Netflix original movie vibe, mm -hmm. and then also bringing in other, I don't want to say failed Hollywood actors, but you know, your Jennifer Aniston's, your sort of people who don't really fit the bill of, I need a major motion picture anymore, but Netflix will now be my new home. Yeah. You know, they, they sit comfortably on, on that space, but, but with hit or miss, mm. uh, rom-coms, etc. And I mean, that's a running theme of his, of his yeah. career. So, yeah, he uh, he started in 1989 uh, and he wrote and had a bit part in a film called Going Overboard. And off that, he was um, recommended as a writer to Lorne Michaels of Saturday Night Live. And 1990 became one of the writers and then was a cast member 1990 to 95. And in that time, he also acted in films Shakes the Clown where he played Dink the Clown. Uh, he was in Coneheads, which is kind of a, a classic, stupid comedy film. 
Yeah, I was surprised at that when I, I was looking through his IMDb. I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was he was in that. Yeah, he was like best mates with Chris Farley because obviously they were on SNL at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then he did Airheads and Mixed Nuts in 94. And then when he left SNL in 95, he uh, formed his own production company and wrote and acted in the titular role of Billy Madison, which is the uh, the first film I'm going to talk about. Now, I really like Billy Madison. It got mixed reviews from critics, but it debuted at number one at the box office and it's made a lot of money worldwide. Uh, so the basic premise is he's the son of a billionaire who owns loads and loads of hotels, like built himself up from the ground. And he's growing towards retirement and needs to pass his company on. Unfortunately, his only son and heir is Billy Madison, who has never passed high school and is basically an idiot who just sits around, falls asleep on the lilo in his pool whilst drunk, ruins his dad's business meetings, etc., etc. He stumbles in drunk to one very important business meeting, embarrasses his dad and is a general idiotic nuisance and his dad's had enough and says, I'm not leaving you the company anymore. So... Uh, but there's this one like partner who works for his dad, uh, who's like an evil businessman who wants to like steal the company, blah de blah, basic premise. Um, so Billy says to his dad, well, what if I go back to school and pass high school and prove that I can take over the business? So then the stupid part comes in. He starts literally in first grade. So it's just this he's like 30 something and he's you know sitting on the tiny chairs and being read to and he just goes through the grades uh you know trying to have sex with this one teacher who's really hot which is very odd and that seems to be a running theme as well of just really not okay (laughs) ships in his films yeah so uh eventually he he does pass 12th grade but they have to have, I think they call it an academic decathlon between him and this other guy who's vying for the company. <laughs> and um, they're like four apiece going into, you know, the decider or something. It's like a Jeopardy style, so like the categories. And um, and Billy just gives this really garbage answer that would have like, <laughs> I think it like calls back to his first grade knowledge (laughs) like that's all he's taken in this whole time uh and does a really really garbage answer and so they think he's lost but then he assigns the category of like business ethics to this other guy and because he's such an unethical businessman he goes insane pulls out a revolver and like has to be tackled and stuff and hooray billy gets the company spoilers everyone sorry (laughs) Uh, and that's that's Billy Madison, which is one of his better films. Um, have you guys seen that one at all? No, Craig's got fond memories of of that scene that you were just talking about. Yeah, so I haven't seen uh, Billy Madison in its entirety, but I have seen uh, several times over the educational decathlon scene, specifically because one of the end games we did uh, a while back was uh, movie insults. And the response that the quiz host gives to Billy Madison is one of my favourite things that's ever been said in film. Go on. (laughs) Mr. Madison, what you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. <laughs> not even, not even once in your shambolic ramblings were you anywhere near a coherent answer. <laughs> I feel like the entirety of this room is now stupider be- for having listened to you. <laughs> I award you no points, yeah. and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> oh, that's a more concise representation. My explanation of <laughs> um, yeah. I mean that could be kind of a description of the script as well. Like it's not, you know, it's just back and forth first grader insults a lot of it. And when he moves from you know grade school to middle school or whatever it is, he just carries on trying to do the same. Like he'll call the teacher a, a name and then look around at all these teenagers expecting them to giggle like the kids do. I do like it um, when he acts with young kids because uh, I don't know the the mental level is matched. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, he seems to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I find those scenes pretty enjoyable where he's just like goofing around and like quite clearly making the kid actors laugh with the shenanigans. I think the thing that always surprised me with Billy Madison is again, I've not, it's, it's one of those I've sort of never sat down and saw, I'm going to watch Billy Madison. It's one of those that's been on in, on TV, so I've seen bits and bobs and seen it in the background, etc. But when I was younger, I remember, because I enjoyed a lot of then the films that came out with the late 90s, when you would see then his older films on the shelf, you were like, oh, you know, these this must be back in the day when he was more serious, you know, he was trying to be like, you know, I saw The Wedding Singer and thought that, that must have been like his right. Blues Brothers or something like that. So... <laughs> When I saw the front cover of Billy Madison, I always just thought, oh, that just looks like some rom-com where, you know, he's, he's in school and he's got some sort of romance with the teacher because maybe he's... Like, I, I guess that he was going back to school, but I didn't think in this sense of, you know, he's actually like a kid kind of thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I did see, like, the beginning of the film again, uh, when it was recently on TV, I didn't realise it was to the point of, you know, he's putting on a voice and he's, you know, <laughs> kind of like that Happy Gilmore sort of, you know... Yeah playing this big character and and so using that childish humor so yeah that that took me back back because i had such a preconceived conception of what this film was in my mind for years and then was like oh this isn't that see the billy madison like being the large guy in the small classroom is the picture that i always see whenever anyone wants to talk about billy madison yeah so I had that idea going in. I suppose I was thinking of kind of, what's the Robin Williams film where he's... Oh, Jack. Oh, I love that film. Yeah. Like for his, like his debut feature from his own writing and production team, I thought he really, you know, set set ahead of him what he wanted to do. Like it's a quintessential dumb Adam Sandler film. He puts on a voice, he pulls stupid faces, someone calls his head an egg shape, you know. It's got all the uh, all the the classics there. And it's kind of fits in with that narrative that a lot of American comedians have of going from SNL and having that sort of brand of comedy in their films, like Jim Carrey, etc. Obviously, the next year you had Happy Gilmore, which I'm not going to talk about, but that's the other half of his, you know, Happy Madison productions, like his two main feature films. Uh, But that same year he did The Wedding Singer. Um, Again, not going to talk about it because he wasn't a writer. So I guess 
the ones that he didn't write tend to be viewed as his more quote-unquote serious or better roles yeah but that's not what we're here to talk about in 1998 the water boy came out and this is this is uh called one of his best early films uh, and i made i assigned this one to craig <laughs> with with Quentin as well, Shell, you were saying about like the highs and lows as well. So what what was the thinking thinking behind that? Uh, so I gave Craig the lows, <laughs> and um, of course you did. <laughs> um, I've given uh, David my second favorite because uh, Big Daddy is my favorite early Sandler film. But what made you want to do like the highs and lows? You know, some people could just say, oh, it's all lows or, you know, you know, what was your thinking behind having rather than just set in random films, you know, roles? Um, well, just because obviously I've been watching them and I've noticed that he either really, really gets it or just really, really doesn't. But at the same time, that depends on like his co-stars as well. Like, I feel like you have to be in a, I'm doing a weird hand thing that people can't see, but I'm going like a Sandler frame of mind <laughs> of his films. Like um, Drew Barrymore, I feel like she's in a, a Sandler state of mind. You know, she's got that silly humor. Whereas in other films, I don't know, the, the chemistry is a bit off, maybe. Mm. So that, yeah, there's some there's some highs and lows, but uh, I think that's why I like his career, because he just carries on and does it, doesn't he? He's... Mm. So the Waterboy, Craig, how did you find the Waterboy? Terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Literally, I wrote notes. Uh, I wrote a handful of notes, and there are two things of merit on these notes. Uh, at the top, I wrote, the very first thing I wrote was the word insufferable. <laughs> the second thing I wrote was Rob Schneider, f- Basically, okay, so basic premise of The Waterboy. Adam Sandler plays uh, Bobby... uh, I can't remember his surname, but it's something beginning with B. uh, Boucher, is it? Something like that. Yeah, Boucher. Oh, specifically Rob... uh, Bobby Boucher Jr. Basically play... uh, And he's serving as the waterboy for a particular college college football team. This football team are not very nice to him. The coach hates him and fires him. Uh, he then goes around trying to become a water boy for another team. He finds another team, which is the Mud Dogs. Uh, they find out that when he gets particularly angry, uh, he has a very good run and tackle. So they put him on the fo- uh, they put him on the football team, and then basically cue in script of this underdog sporting star revolutionising the entire team until oh no, now he can't be on the team because they found out he hasn't actually gotten into college from a high school so he ends up having to do like an exam but also his mother who's in who basically lives in the bayou played by Kathy Bates hey. um, uh, just referred to throughout as like just uh, as just mama and just speaks in that, that really really thick uh, like New Orleans sort of bayou southern accent drawl. yeah the southern drawl um, <laughs> basically everything to her is just the devil uh, and <laughs> Playing football is the devil. Uh, the girl that he wants to go out with, who basically looks like somebody smashed her in the face, um, <laughs> he is also the devil. The fact that, like, the fact that 
Uh, the father went off and joined the Peace Corps and died in the Sahara Desert is the devil, which is also the drive for why he wants to be the water boy, because his father died of dehydration in the desert. Except he didn't. He went off to New Orleans. Also, this film has a weird obsession with cross-eyed people. Like, I don't know why, but just like loads of like secondary characters, including the father and like one of the football people, just have cross-eyed. I mean, there is there's one guy who's in like all of his films who's got one lazy eye. Yeah. I can't remember I just, his name, but yeah. I just don't know why they're obsessed with making that the joke. <laughs> but also, I will say that I feel like this film was basically just Happy Gilmore, except replace angry, angry person with a lot of ta- uh, with a lot of talent and charisma, with Billy kind of, with Billy. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Adam Sandler when he wants to go for the really sort of caricaturesque characters of just. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna do a really stupid voice, but also it just does this smug expression throughout. It's just there, like, well, my ma- my mama just, <laughs> my mama just. <laughs> I just like. I'm looking at him, and I'm just like. I'm pretty sure we've made we've made jokes about our friends who go out with guys who look like that. <laughs> just, just like basically, think of Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, but just think. Not cunning. That's basically <laughs> what he looks like. <laughs> Hashtag a smuggy. <laughs> I just, I actually, I had to do an experiment. I actually had to time code when I first laughed in the film. Bear in mind, this film was about an hour and 26 minutes when you include the credits. My first laugh came about 38 minutes in. <laughs> My second laugh then came in at an hour and a half. Those are the only two times I laughed in the film. I just wondered what kind of... Six minutes and you laughed after an hour and a half. You laughed with joy that it was over. <laughs> no, no, no. So like, as in, not an hour and a half later. So like the two timestamps, if people want to know roughly what scenes made me laugh. Right. That's what they were. One was where he, he basically, some he imagined that his mother, sorry, one of the players was his mother saying that like, he couldn't go to school, he couldn't play football. And basically just, oh, you should never see that girl again. That girl is the devil. And he's just going like, it's like, Vicky is not the devil, mama. Vicky is not the devil. And this guy's going, I know, I know. I don't. Just, and then he tackles him to the ground. <laughs> and then he starts apologizing to his mama saying like, I'm sorry, mama. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to hurt you. I love you, mama. And this guy on the floor is just looking terrified. He just goes, I love you too. <laughs> and that made me laugh because I was just like, okay, that guy's performance alone. The one thing I'll give this film credit for, it's a technique I don't think works for most of the film, but when it gets to the end, they actually do it quite effectively, is that because they do a lot of this visualize this person as someone else who makes you angry or visualize this person as someone who you find less intimidating than you. Yeah. uh, At the beginning, it's got like a lot of the football players just transforming into random jerks from, uh, from Bobby's life. And like, I was just like, okay, whatever. But then at the end where he tells the coach who... To, because he's trying to get his football coach to stand up to like the bully coach, the one who fired uh, Bobby at the beginning of the film. He says, imagine him as someone you find less intimidating. And the first time he does, he imagines him as like a laughing baby. And so it's just, just this guy's head transforms into like a, a little like, like five month old girl's head. Just they're <laughs> laughing and it's so obscure. And the second time he does it, they turn him into a cocker spaniel. <laughs> Some weird, like, levels of special effects in his films, I've noticed. Yeah. 
those may like so the cocker spaniel and the baby made me laugh bar that i found i found nothing else the father turns up in the end and gets rugby tackled oh sorry american football tackled <laughs> yanks um american football tackled <laughs> no despite all of that the water boy is the highest grossing sports comedy film of all time why <laughs> Even after all those Will Ferrell ones, yeah, the ping pong, the ice skating. The... Why is it not Happy Gilmore? Because <laughs> people had heard of him by this point, I guess. Like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that he's still doing the, the funny voice stuff recently because I saw... I mean, it thought, wasn't funny, but yeah, carry on. Right, yeah, the strange voice. Funny in, yeah, the different way. <laughs> yeah, because... I don't know if you come across this one, Shelley, but when I was looking through his IMDb, I was like, oh, I don't recognize this film. And I saw his Netflix original because I knew about The Ridiculous Six and Murder Mystery. So I clicked on this one and it said, Adam Sandler plays like a talent agent. I was like, oh, this might be actually good then because if it's telling the story of, you know, the past and maybe it's his, you know, past uncut gems. And I just watched like five seconds of the trailer and he's doing this weird voice. I was like... It's uh, Sandy Wexler, it's, it's called. And yeah, he just plays this very nasal oh. Adam Sandler stereotype. He didn't write that one, so someone's literally just written the same character for him. <laughs> yeah. Or they just cannot stop him from doing it. <laughs> like, the director's just like, oh, you know what? People will watch it. Just let him do whatever. <laughs> they were just there one day. It was just like, have we found our lead yet? It's like, we haven't. It's like, but the entire cast and crew are here. All the sets are made. Everything is done. Is that Adam Sandler sat at that chair? <laughs> Come over here. <laughs> he just turned just... up one day. We just had to go with it. <laughs> I swear. I wouldn't stop acting. <laughs> I swear to God, that guy has like a coin in his office. One side says normal, the other side said strange. And I swear before any roll, he just tosses the coin. <laughs> also, sorry, the last thing that bothered me about the water boy, because there was a lot that bothered me, but I think that I just want to make note of, is that throughout the entire film, people are just hating on this guy with like very, very little improvement throughout until right at the end. And I'm just like, but God, why? Yeah. So if you're trying to write this film in terms of like the, oh yeah, he's the inspiring sports hero. Make more people like him sooner instead of just like still even only until like they, even after he's like kicked out of the team and the football team knows that that they're only winning because of this guy. They're just like, you know what? We win as a team, not because of this guy. I'm just like, no! <laughs> Idiots! <laughs> and then when they and then when he comes back, they're just like, oh, happy to have you, Bobby. And it's just like, shut up. No, you aren't. You just had half a game where you were basically getting <laughs> on the pitch. And now you're just like, I apologize. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say before you can... I will allow you to just shut it out of your mind forever. <laughs> I hope tomorrow is better. Uh... I'm just obsessed with the idea that Craig's put in my mind now of Adam Sandler as Two-Face being cast in Batman, flipping the coin of uh, if he's strange or normal. One half of him is just normal Adam Sandler. The other is like a disfigured face, which has one of those... 
Happy Gilmore, uh, not Happy, yeah, Waterboy type voices. Yeah. If he manages to find a way of making half of his face look smug, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Oh, so, the year after The Waterboy came out, uh, he came out with Big Daddy, uh, which is my one of my favourites. I know, David, you watched this earlier on, didn't you, as well? Or was it yesterday? Uh, yeah, I watched it yesterday. And, yeah, I watched this loads as a kid. And I always find it weird. I was like, why this film? But when I looked on Letterboxd and looking at people's user reviews, it seemed like I shared the same experience. So I don't know if it was the same with you, Shelley. I think it was the timing of when the film came out, the fact there was a kid in it. And I think adults quite liked it because it was kind of edgy. And But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there, which I'm like, this is not for children. But yeah, you're around my age, right? Yeah. So we would have been about nine I would have been about nine when it came out, so a little bit older than the kid in it, uh, expertly played by Colt Sprouse, yeah. uh, who you might know as Ben from Friends, and also he's a thingy in Riverdale now, isn't he? Um, oh, yeah. Isn't it? Um... Ju- uh, 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 junkhead. Junkhead. <laughs> Not Junkhead. Isn't he one of uh, a twin, and he's... I thought they were Zach and Cody, aren't they? Oh, isn't... yeah. I think that's why they were in, so in Friends, obviously they can change between the two twins and the same with Big Daddy. So this was one of the cases where obviously I really enjoy his interaction with kid actors and Cole Sprouse is just a great little actor, always has been. Like I thought he was really funny in Friends and stuff. Um, And yeah, I, I think I have that same nostalgia as you, David, like just having watched it in my early teens and stuff and... It's well. It's one where he flipped the coin and decided to play a normal character. So yeah, uh, yeah. He starts the film as in most of his films, where he's like a lazy dude, not doing much with his life. Uh, and then his roommate has to go, I think, away on a business trip or something. And then this little kid turns up at the front door and says, "My dad lives here." finds out it's from like a previous relationship of his roommate um but decides to try and like prove himself as he always does in his films by just looking after this kid obviously because adam sandler has like the mind of a child they get on really well and even though he teaches him like all the wrong stuff he eventually makes sure he goes to school and things like that uh, but he's all this time he's posing as his dad, so like social services won't come and and take Julian. He's called the the little boy away. So yeah, they they go to social services, find out that the mother has passed away from cancer, and they start trying to find a, a foster home for him. And they ring Sunny, and he yeah. ignores the message. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, kind of a weird plot point in that it's just like he just decides to do nothing about it and just be like oh things will work out it's like no they're clearly going to keep trying ringing you but yeah he he kind of feels that he can't be a father to him when he realizes that his ex-girlfriend isn't interested in being a mother and then during that time time, he then starts to date this other lady and he like you said he becomes more of a father and he really you know grows to love him 
the sister of his roommate's girlfriend as well, isn't it? The woman he starts seeing. Yeah, Layla, I think it is. And um... oh, there's also the point that Sonny had been to law school, but like wasn't doing anything with it. And his dad's a, a top-notch lawyer as well, and doesn't believe in him. So it all kind of comes to a head when they get taken to court uh, over custody, I guess. Social services or find out he isn't who he says he is and sort of come and take the child away. In court, lots of people like testify on his behalf and Julian testifies as well. And then uh, Sonny like calls himself to the stand and asks his father, who he sees in the back, up to question him. Uh, and he sort of cross-examines him and it seems to be going really badly at first, but then, I don't know, Adam Sandler does his whole really sincere lesson moment yeah the violins come in and yeah (laughs) and then his father vouches for him uh but they still have him arrested and then the actual dad who's like come back now i don't know why he doesn't step in until this point but he sort of says uh i'm the father and please drop the charges so sonny doesn't go to to prison but the other guy has to take custody of Julian, so it's like they just, he's like the cool uncle again at the end, but all's well that ends well. I don't know, it's like trying to explain the plot then, it's quite a confused, shambolic film, but I just enjoy the journey, like that yeah. thing between him and, and the kid. Yeah, I, I, I felt the same. It's the, there's so many moments in the film that are strange that you're like, this wouldn't have happened or how would you get away with this or why would this character not do it? I can kind of buy into what happens in the courtroom that the father, because before he was like, I don't know this kid. I, I never remembered the mother. I, I never yeah. went to Buffalo. And then it's when Julian is talking about where he used to live, he then realizes, oh, I know who this is, the son of now. And so that I can kind of buy into. But it is weird that Sonny originally is like, oh, I'll just pose as the father with my roommate's name, even though it's not clear, even if my roommate is the father, because my roommate doesn't believe that he is the father. And yeah. it's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it manages to get away with it throughout. I think I, I buy into that as well, because he kind of, he has to look after the kid at least overnight. And then he starts, yeah, they just develop a, a friendship and a closeness. And then he's like, well, I don't want some random family bringing him up. So yeah him safe until we can figure it out i don't know and he's very much a character who just does live by the day you know like you said he's he's lazy he gets up he does what he wants so it kind of makes sense to the character that he does just go with the flow and and you know screw the consequences kind of thing yeah from the little i've seen of this film it definitely feels like um to go back to the sort of shambolic plot-esque nature of what you were saying shelly that it's just not it's just a film purely about like chemistry and chemistry and bonding and mm. i think to be honest that's probably where sandler is genuinely going to be better i think yeah like some of the films i enjoy are more about like like the bonds and the characterizations uh, that he goes for rather than just like what actually happens yeah he's not great with plot but um... he goes off the plot um certainly, <laughs> but... i think it's a strength that he does have in like later films which we'll talk about again but also like his relationship at one point with Disney, like he did bedtime stories. It kind of makes sense, like you said, Shelley, earlier, because he's, he's yeah. quite good with kids and he can yeah. sort of bring out that naive, naivety and sort of... Silly humour and 
childlike wonderment yeah yeah and that's why I wanted to watch Big Daddy again because I was like is this just nostalgia you know will it be that I watch again and like oh this is just stupid but but no I did find myself genuinely laughing at all of the jokes I loved before and even ones that I didn't get before and there was a few times I had to sort of subtitle it because I was like I never understood what you said there. I didn't know the words, so I had to, and I still couldn't hear what you what they were saying. Um, so I had to subtitle it. When and it does do some weirdly progressive things. I remember as a kid, like his friends who were a couple. I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Because you you didn't see that before in films and TV shows. And the the friend who's against it. Well, I don't say against it. He just finds it weird. And I saw a few people on Letterbox saying it. Oh, you know, that, you know, it's homophobic and his housemate's homophobic when he says about when they showered separately. And I'm like, well, no, I think they get away with it because they just talk about it's weird that they are now suddenly together, whereas they've known them as friends all their life. Kind yeah. of. Um, so one of the jokes that I didn't quite hear before was when Adam Sandler says to the friend who finds it weird, he goes, you know, what are you doing after this? He's like, oh, no much. And he says, oh, you're going to your clan meeting. I can oh, I can yeah. hear what he was saying, but okay, because he's okay. just been complaining about the friends, the fact he said clan meeting, I was like, okay, that, you know, that's very clever. <laughs> For mm. me as well, I just want to quickly say that it, it's also the lessons and the stuff that stick in my mind from that film. The loop, swoop and pull is how I learned to, to tie my shoelaces. And I'll always remember the McDonald's at, uh, closes, uh, closes breakfast at 10.30, even though that recently has changed back to 11. <laughs> You have to remember the frustration that he feels whenever you realise that McDonald's breakfast has ended and he has a meltdown in McDonald's. We thought maybe they uh, they switched it back as a result of <laughs> a film spreading misinformation. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. I just like the uh, the line as they're taking Julian away. It's like, I wipe my own ass! <laughs> I was gonna say when um, you were like, oh, so we would have been about eight or nine, and in my head I was thinking we wiped our own asses. Yes, <laughs> when this film came out. Speak for yourself. <laughs> so I was gonna talk a little bit about Lil Nicky, um, but we've we've got a lot to cover, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, touch on it and say, not very well reviewed at all and it didn't make much money but it is one of my personal favorites but it's like it's the thing where he flipped the coin and decided to do weird face weird voice um but yeah i like Lil nicky i recommend that one sorry <laughs> no we i have a lot of friends who do have a lot of nostalgia and love that film i've not seen it personally but yeah i like the uh the soundtrack to it as well because it's like He's uh, one of the sons of Satan, so it's all like rock music and stuff. He is quite good at soundtracks. I've, I enjoy, I like 51st Date's soundtrack. I like Big Daddy's soundtrack. Yeah. He's pretty good at choosing songs. He did a lot of Rob Schneider films in between, like The Animal. Mm. <laughs> um, he did Mr. Deeds, uh, The Hot Chick. And then uh, Anger Management, which he didn't write, but that was like, I guess, one of his better roles. People say that. Uh, and then in 2004, which is the end of his first half of his career, uh, is Fifty First Dates, which I really liked, and I assigned David to watch. Yeah, it it and again it was it was similar to Big Daddy that you know I'd seen it before, but you know because it's like 2004, it wasn't like massive nostalgia. I think I watched it long after it sort of originally came out. Yeah, yeah, I I found. What I found interesting rewatching this is, you know, thinking back to it, I remember it as like, you know, a really good rom-com and a really good story, which, you know, benefits from the whole 
memory loss angle and you know when you hear 50 first dates you think oh is this genuinely going to stay true to that to that and you know it does it really well when they when they sell you that idea but what, what i found surprising is that whereas i found big daddy like we just discussed starts off really well it starts off kind of edgy and you know sort of like being this sort of adult film and yeah. then towards the end the sort of plots gets a bit muddled and the, the end scene is a bit of a hodgepodge of different things Whereas I found this started off really weak and as a hodgepodge and then just got better and ended on a really good note. Yeah. So I found that really interesting how they were both polar opposites in that sense. I, I think that it's perhaps, obviously I'll let you uh, explain or the plot a little bit, but um, I think it's the nature of the plot is to confuse you at first. But like, obviously it, you don't know that in, if you until you stick with the film. So some people might think, oh, this is a bad ad. I'm sad the film, it's confused, I'm going to switch it off. But yeah, yeah stick with this one because it's, it's one of my favourites of his. Yeah, it's definitely once Lucy sort of gets introduced that that's where it starts off. So that's just where I find it weird that he didn't introduce her sooner and has this whole like, oh, let's meet, you know, the strange woman he works in the pool with and, you know, his the strange character the Rob Schneider plays, you know, whereas he was kind of underplayed a bit. Well, you know, in, in Big Daddy, he wasn't sort of there in your face as much as he is in, in Fifty First Dates, I feel. <laughs> Rob Schneider's character, Ula, is just a very Rob Schneider, like, hey, I'm just here playing this weird stereotypical character, whereas in Big Daddy, you could at least say that he's playing a somewhat believable person. Yeah, um, like... I, believe that he's got like eight kids and yeah. bitten by sharks all the time and Craig might enjoy this one more he gets hurt in this film. <laughs> yeah that's why I just wanted to touch on though what because I think it is important Craig's like why you do have such a big problem with Rob Schneider why do I hate Rob Schneider so much yeah I think he's painfully unfunny <laughs> I think I think a lot of the time he does a lot of questionable things like both on and off the sc- off the screen, and like I think for me the fact that the the role that he did in in the Waterboy was just was just out of nowhere just a a really really aggressive Mexican guy who just <laughs> kept calling for like everyone to be decapitated. It was just like it's like just cut his head off, and it's just like shut up. I I just find him I find him irritating and genuinely just awful. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's where he doesn't age well in that sense. It's the, it's the kind of, you know, a poo debate, you know, people have with Simpsons is in that, like, he couldn't play these type of characters in this day and age. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I just found that interesting, especially because I looked at him recently and he is still, you know, working. He was just in The Wrong Missy, which has just come out on Netflix. Because I was like, how is he making a career if he isn't able to play these stereotypical characters? But apparently he is via Netflix and Adam Sandler, most likely. All I can say is that just solidifies more and more why I hate humanity. Yeah. <laughs> they just can't be trusted. They cannot be trusted. <laughs> but yeah, I think Fifty First Dates, like I said, it starts off, um, I think this also speaks to Adam Sandler a lot in that you get this trait of him in different films in which he wants to... It's funny where like, I feel, again, like Big Daddy, he paints himself as like, oh, I'm going to show myself as the type of person I am, which can be easily lazy or just this layabout guy, your average person. Whereas then it doesn't always work as well when he tries to paint himself as something he isn't. So mm-hmm. to try and buy into Adam Sandler as, as this love rat, 
a guy who works in Hawaii, which all these women sleep with. And apparently, according to the opening montage, even men and older women. And, you know, he, he's like, you know, passing them off as like, oh, I live this life as a secret agent. And I was just like, I can't buy any of this. You know, how much do you think of yourself, Adam Sandler? The people will buy, buy the, you know, women would love you this much role for himself exactly yeah it's very chauvinistic in that sense but wasn't it like an ongoing joke that people basically said that any for a while it seemed like any uh happy madison film was literally just an excuse for adam sander to go on holiday (laughs) he's writing all of these films and producing all of these films in this this is in hawaii and then there's like like mystery uh, yeah there's like one in like beautiful like log cabins next to the lakes yeah his production company <laughs> yeah and it, it, it's also his excuse to yeah just be with a very attractive woman <laughs> um but and that's where I, I like adam sandler stuff more when it's just the subtle jokes like the funny so like off the beat kind of stuff so i liked it at the star 51st dates when he has the strange person he works with uh, I think it's Alexa, she's called. He says, you know, check the temperature of the pool. And she just jumps in there. And, you know, I thought that was quite funny. Um, but then immediately after that, you get like a puke joke, which I was like, oh, you know, you're not helping yourself here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, once Lucy gets introduced, then it becomes really interesting because you get this element you get in other, you know, rom-coms in which you're like, oh, that's, you know, an interesting spin on it. Um, yeah. And you get involved, you know, you get interested in, oh, what would life be like if it was like this? And, and yeah. it become quite really- emotionally involved like yeah. i really like all of the characters because uh they all just care for her so much and it's like it you care for her so you're in with them and i think that's what drew me in like i even love the the two that work at the cafe the big the big guy and his mum yeah i think it's uh i wrote down the names here somewhere i think it's uh, yeah nick and sue yeah yeah that and like you said earlier it does very much depend on his supporting cast and i think they are one of the highlights of the film so nick is really funny you know he's got the great joke with sort of the meat cleaver sue is really endearing she's a really nice character and it's quite touching when she talks about knowing lucy's mum yeah um and i think uh, even the old <laughs> old guy who's in in the re- uh, restaurant who sort of just <laughs> craps on adam sandler every now and again is quite funny Nastin. Yeah, it, it's in this film. exactly. Yeah, and and again, that's an example of having a bizarre character, which is just a bit more restrained. They don't go too silly with it, kind of thing. He didn't. Yeah, and I think that's a credit to Sean Astin that he didn't go full Adam Sandler with his, because he got the dumb character rather than Adam Sandler. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, he gave them to, and you got, is it Ula and his uh, Alexa? Yeah, exactly. All the kind of crazy. And I think Drew Barrymore as well, I think, is what makes it work because she is a very charismatic character yeah. in this. She's a really good comedian as well. I, you know, I think it, it really does work wonders for parts of the script and certain scenes because whereas you can see scenes that Adam Sandler does earlier and you think like, oh, like I said, that, that comes across as a bit big-headed or a bit, you know, dumb guy humour. But when she's doing parts like beating up Ula when when he makes out that he's being beaten up or mugged. <laughs> like I'm a part of a community community program. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, keep running, which is a great moment. 
So I think stuff like that is what really sells in, like I said, as the story goes along. So basically he's trying to meet her, you know, trying to have breakfast with her every day. That turns into him trying to stop her on her way back um, and trying to talk to her every day. Then I think it is, it becomes then more endearing because you like the idea of the downside that then becomes this character who generally wants to help this woman with her life. And he's there as a challenge. So I think it's nice that, you know, he flips and he, you know, you get great moments with the dad and the son uh, re, restarting the, the, the day. Yeah. yeah. So paint, paint in the shed. And they, yeah, because they, because uh, basically, did you did you explain the full memory loss thing? Like she'd been in a... No, an yes. And has short, well, short-term memory loss from the day of that accident. So her brain basically resets in her sleep overnight. So they relive the day of the accident over and over again. Kind of Groundhog Day-esque for them. Yeah. And you get funny moments where, like, the brother because they watch the same football match every day because Lucy's like, hey, why don't you watch the, I don't know, Rangers? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, and the brother bets that someone will make a pass and do this really obscure play. And she's like, deal, if that happens, yeah. I'll do the washing up. And the dad like throws his shoe at him because he's just taking advantage of her memory loss. Yeah. But like in an endearing way, not like too harmful because she doesn't know, but... Yeah, it's all little moments like that. It's more the subtle humor. Yeah, they they sort of have, you know, oh, I bought you the Sixth Sense for your birthday. Should we watch it tonight? And, <laughs> and they then have to be like, oh, well, you know, we have to do the Sixth Sense because that's the famously known film for having a twist that everybody knows. So then when she's like, I didn't see that coming, did you? You know, so they can easily get away with that because it's a <laughs> film to do that with. But yeah, like I said, it, it makes for an interesting concept then. So like you said, because she only remembers up until that day and because she's then wiped away each day it means that you have she she's meeting adam sander for the first time every day every day then he decides to make her a tape which sort of explains everything and you sort of see her transition into that she starts mixing notes and then you sort of see the consequences of then you know having a first kiss every day and then they sort of decide to finally sleep with each other so the <laughs> next day after that she wakes up and is just like <laughs> yeah, freaks out is like oh my god who's this guy like I, I do like how badass she is that she's <laughs> hesitant to just beat up a guy <laughs> yeah but he does go about it in the p- complete wrong way that he's like we're in a relationship blah, blah, blah. you know like it's like that isn't the way to sell this you should have been like oh we, we... Yeah. you should have started with like oh we spent the night together you can't remember because we were a bit drunk you know he, he could have got away with that not we're in a relationship together that's <laughs> So with that in mind, like to carry their relationship to the next level where it's not just make her fall in love with him and have a first kiss every day, they have to figure out a way to explain to her about what happened to her and what's happened since. Yeah. Um, so they make, yeah, it's at that point, well, she goes to see the doctor, which is Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Um, He's great as well, even though he's in only in it like ten minutes tops. Yeah, they sort of use the videotape, and then she starts making like a notebook. And I think as time evolves, then they sort of maybe update the the videotape with sort of new information and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I like that element of you know where he says, "Oh, was the tape not working for you?" And she's like, "Oh, it's great, but I don't like being told my life from somebody else." So this book allows. Yeah, I love that she takes ownership of it as well, and it's not just 
from his point of view the whole film like because she then she breaks up with him because she says you can never have anything more with me she finds out that he'd been doing up his boat to go uh on, on like an expedition to study walruses isn't it um yeah he's like i can't go with you what am i meant to do like wake up in the middle of the sea <laughs> not knowing where i am every day yeah. Uh, yeah so uh she breaks up with him and like burns all evidence of him in in her notebook and stuff um and so they have you know I guess it's a few months maybe apart and she yeah she starts she starts living at the medical institute where the doctor sort of explains to her about how the memory loss works um yeah. and there's people there like 10 second tom who literally have it to the degree of like every 10 seconds you know their memory gets wiped and but I think that's actually quite a good resolution for her in a way you know obviously I like the, the ending that she does get it again spoilers but you know they sort of have you know they, they bring back the element of the videotape and describe it to her everything that's happened, but it's to the point of uh, they then together, they have a family, you know, and she, so she's waking up to like every day she has, suddenly has a child and uh, yeah. you know, the, the videotape includes their wedding and, and that kind of stuff. And, and her dad goes with them like on the trip. Yeah, so basically yeah. how it gets to that point, I, I will say spoilers for the climax of the film here. Yeah he's going off on his his fishing trip and the dad lucy's dad brings him uh the uh the beach boys cd and he's listening to it and uh he remembers something the dad said that like she only sings on days where she sees you um and that uh the mother who's passed away would always uh play or give him that cd to ask him to come home so he's like is it a sign that she remembers me and he wants me to go to her so he goes to the institute and he's like lucy do you remember me and she's like do you, oh, no do you have any idea who i am yeah. and this massive spoilers now skip forward 30 seconds yeah she says no i have no idea who you are but i want to show you something because uh, she's become an art teacher there and she takes him into her studio and it's like hundreds of paintings of him like even there's <laughs> giant egg <laughs> stuff and she's like i don't know who you are but i dream about you every night uh you're the man of my dreams and blah 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 and then yeah then it shows them like they've gone on the expedition and it's just it's a really well done film and well thought out and there's a lot of heart in it i really like it it's a bit of a departure from his other films yeah and i think yeah it's, it's how like we were saying with Big Daddy, that they don't quite make the story work, but they it, it like makes complete sense, and they have a good yeah. link back to things that they previously met previously mentioned, and and yeah, it, it works out well. Yeah, Craig, if you haven't watched it, you might enjoy it because uh, yeah, he plays a touching role really well. Definitely sounds like I mean, just also in terms of the story, there's definitely sounds like a more intelligent, thought out sort of yeah. And um, Rob Schneider gets beaten up with a steel bat, so, you know, <laughs> really like that bit. <laughs> okay. It's also, it's also the appearances I found weird of the, the other people who make, uh, you know, his regular sort of friends, etc. because it's Peter Dante and Alan Covert who were in Big Daddy and played the sort of friends who were a couple. In this oh, one... It's like uh, transgender... Yeah, that one is Jonathan Loughran. Um, who's, one yeah, one... Lazy Eye, right? 
Yeah, I think so. And that that's where Lucy is sort of catching up with her friends, which again is when they're showing like her in this sort of middle point in which she's dating him every day. Yeah. And then um, she's oh, catching up with like Yeah. And she's like, Oh wow, you're you know, you're pregnant. I can't believe that. Oh wow, you did this. And then one of her friends, she's like, Oh, Jennifer, or should I say Jonathan, you've had a sex change. I can't believe it. And it's it's kind of weird for the pers- for the actor who played the guy who was weird about the gay couple in Big Daddy to then play the character who then has had a sex change and has, a- has to act or camp. And I'm like, did Adam Sandler just do this to like torture his friend or something? Um, but yeah, and then Alan Covid plays 10 Second Tom and Peter Dante plays the sort of guy at the reception who doesn't quite gel with the concept of being a receptionist at a... Yeah, he's a like, what's your name, idiot? <laughs> remember his name and then the other thing like i said is what you what you said with the, uh, the other films is just the soundtrack you know i think it works really well having that beach boy song and of course you have to have somewhere over the rainbow the uh, sort of hawaiian version at the end which is great yeah yeah i just really love that film and it's uh, a good way to kind of top off the first half of his career i thought Yeah, it, it's interesting talking about that early stage. And uh, for everyone at home, we are going to talk about then uh, the later part of his career in our second part. And yeah, it'll also be interesting to talk about how how that changes and how now we're talking about how there's the early concepts of Adam Sandler films and the early running themes and jokes and the ideas are a bit more character-based and, and that kind of stuff. But you still, like I said, have hit and miss uh, jokes and, and movies. Interesting to think in our usual segment then of the movie vault. Case would be the best representation of Adam Sandler or, you know. Yeah, so I'm going to just go with like the actor-writer Happy Madison-esque ones. Yeah. Um, let's say I'd, I'd happily put Big Daddy in there from the first half. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, Fifty First Dates, he wasn't actually a writer on. <laughs> he ah. was uh, just acting, but I, I just love that film so much. We had to talk about it. Uh, yeah, so it would be Big Daddy for me. I don't know about you guys. Craig, is Waterboy going in? <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> Ask me a stupid question like that again. And the moment we come out of lockdown, you're getting a punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> again, a steel bat. On <laughs> yeah. For me, it's... Dang. <laughs> For me, it's Happy Gilmore or Die. I feel like that is the that is the film of his that I can routinely watch, still get a, a great amount of enjoyment from. And it, yeah, I, I find for me it is one of his. It feels like one of his better films because it takes. I it's think it's a quintessential. Yeah, it's a good balance of what actually makes Adam Sandler like enjoyable. There's a lot of that sort of stupidity and like random aggression, but there's also like a lot of like subtlety and heart to it. So. I feel like in terms of what Adam Sandler can be, I feel like that for me has got to go in. Okay, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's a good shout because a lot of people hold a lot of nostalgia for that one and it you do see a lot of moments from that film pop up, like the end scene and when he's having to go with the ball to get to get in there, etc. And, and the yeah. fight with Bob Barker. <laughs> that's what I was about, yeah. So, for me, yeah, I think while Fifty First Dates is, is a great film, like said, it maybe because of that writing element, it doesn't feel like you'd be like, oh, if you want to watch an Adam Sandler film, this is the one to watch because 
like I said, it feels more just like a great rom-com rather than like yeah. an Adam Sandler film. Because he didn't write it. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of it as well is because Drew Barrymore like does so well in it. So, you know, I, whereas I found Adam Sandler's character a bit hit and miss, you know, obviously she's like the most consistently yeah. best part of it. Um, so that's why I, I probably agree with, you know, sort of Big Daddy on that sort of idea of nostalgia. It's something that seems very, you know, especially the first half of it, it very much does seem like it comes from Adam Sandler that he's doing this sort of more, you know, New York edgy kind of concept, which then like does turn to sort of like some silly things. But um, I think originally, you know, he, he had this this cool idea of, you know, like he's got like this group of friends and the, the idea of, oh, we wasted the good surprise on you. You know, there's a, good, a lot of good elements in there which sort of make it work as a, as a whole film. You, you buy into the, the family that he, he creates in it. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Unless there's any others you feel strongly about from that time, Shelley, if you do feel there's another one that needs to go. <laughs> Not really, and I'm, uh, I'm be the one bigging him up here, I guess. <laughs> no Billy Madison? So big. Not Billy Madison, sorry. No, it's, um, it was, I think that ramped up to Happy Gilmore. Like he, he tried and tested a few things in Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore is the better film. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going into the movie vault this week then is Big Daddy and Happy Gilmore. Into the movie vault you go. And, uh, yeah, like I said, guys, if you agree, disagree, let us know at home. And, uh, if there's any that we missed out, then that might be in part two when we talk about his later career, which will be very interesting indeed. Uh, so yeah, are we going to leave it till that episode or are we going to reveal what we'll be talking about in, in now? People uh, might really get excited for it if uh, we reveal. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> shall I uh, give you the honour? Okay, so obviously we're doing 2005 onwards. I gave you, David, his 2010 film Grown Ups. I believe. Yep. And then. Once again, a film David has already seen. <laughs> I did not know that. I... No, I'm, just, I'm just calling David Jammy at this point. It's fine. You might, you might have seen the film that I assigned you. I didn't know. Uh, because the year after he did Grown Ups, uh, he did Jack and Jill. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That film's got three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the, film... the kind of score you get when you actively try to be bad. When you actively take on a concept set out by Cartman in South Park. Awesome. <laughs> 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 what about a film where Adam Sandler is the brother in Twins, but <laughs> the sister? Have you you haven't watched it yet? No. No, I have not. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Yeah. So look forward to that. <laughs> uh, yes, <yeah, so laughs> it'll be very fun. Uh, so yeah, grown ups and Jack and Jill are all to come in our second part. Until then, we play our ever traditional end game. So I'll hand over to Craig to see what he has in store for us today. Endgame time. So, obviously, in the spirit of Adam Sandler, um, I feel that what's really good, I mean, about any comedy is usually the sort of quips and jokes and lines that you get. Yeah. So that's what this game is going to be predicated about. So today, we're going to be playing Adam Sandler. <laughs> um, 
the idea is I'm going to give you an Adam Sandler quote uh, from one of his many films, and I want you to guess what film that is. However, I've been nice and I've narrowed it down. So these are the 10 films posted to you in the chat. Oh, wait. I, I said posted to you in the chat. There we go. That the <sighs> quotes will be from. Right, okay. So for those at home, they are Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Wedding Singer, Big Daddy, The Water Boy, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, Eight Crazy Nights, which has not been mentioned yet for good reason, um, <laughs> Anger Management, and The Longest Yard. So The Longest Yard sort of crosses over into the next episode, I assume, because it's about 2005. But... Yeah. yeah. So... The, the quotes will only come from one of those films. Right. There won't be a quote from every film. Every film has the potential to give more than one quote. Right. Okay. So basically, I'll, I would have played the quote for you uh, so that you could listen to it and then come to an, an, uh, an idea. However, after listening to his <laughs> voice in The Waterboy so much, I couldn't stand listening to Sandler anymore. So instead, I've written the quotes down and I'm going to read them to you. Okay. The fun thing about this is that today's end game isn't going to result in a winner because what I'm doing is I'm going to carry over the points you gained today oh, over into the next episode. <laughs> so just because you win today does not mean you've won the end game. I want you to bear that in mind, David. So if I gave you the quote, now that's what I call high quality H2O. Which film is that from? Oh, the insane typing. I love it. <laughs> typey, type, type, type. Just Googling it. Nah, joking. So Shelley has submitted, while David has not. Because he's Googling. Worrying. <laughs> cool. Grand and type. David does not know how to use the caps lock. I know, that's apparently. why. <laughs> that's why I was taking longer, because I typed it. I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, screw it. I'll send it. Okay, so for clarity, both events... <laughs> Keep running. <laughs> so both have answered the water boy. So in that situation, both would be. <laughs> Obviously, that was an example. We now know exactly how this is going to work. So are we ready for quote number one? Does that mean that that, that film is now gone from the list? No. I'll explain this again. <laughs> sorry. Every, every film has the potential to give more than one quote. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Listened, Craig. I res well, I say I respect you. You're making me watch Jack and Jill. Um, <laughs> quote number one. <laughs> of course I peed my pants. Everyone my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. Do, do, do. So again, that's of course I peed my pants. Everyone my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. Both answers are in. Both have answered Billy Madison, and both are. Whoop, whoop. This is the moment where, like, I'm answering these. And I'm like, oh god, like Shelley has seen all of these. <laughs> <laughs> so that results in one point each. Excellent. Are we ready for quote number two? Yes. Yes. It's hard to soar with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. 
Uh-huh. It's hard to soar with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. <laughs> okay. So I know you... what Shelly's thinking at this moment. <laughs> What's Shelly thinking? <laughs> it's, uh, what, when she said, oh, will there be an end game? And I'm pretty sure that she said this quote. So I'm assuming she's thinking of it again. My last appearance on the puppy. <laughs> it's a previous answer in an end game. Oh, I see. Okay. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> okay, so Shelly has answered eight crazy nights. With lots of question marks and question marks. <laughs> David has answered the longest yard. Shelly, you are... Ugh. David, you are... Ugh. <laughs> the answer was Mr. Deeds. Uh, oh. I was going to put that. Well, you didn't. Um, <laughs> I, was, I originally saw Happy Gilmore, but I was like, oh, you wouldn't have had that straight after <laughs> Madison. No, it's Mr. Deeds. them in order to trip us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, um, the way I have them written down, every quote from Billy Madison is together, so I could have just done all of those quotes immediately. <laughs> okay, ready for, question, uh, for quote number three? Yeah. Hey. If I saw myself in clothes like that, I'd have to kick my own ass. Hey, if I saw myself in clothes like that, I'd have to kick my own ass. Ugh. They're all so interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Okay, so Shelley has gone for Little Nicky, or <laughs> David has gone for Big Daddy. I like it, little and big. Um, (laughs) Shelly. I'm happy to say that David is... Oh. But unfortunately, so are you. (laughs) (laughs) This is the one... The the answer was Happy Gilmore. Oh, with the golf clothes. Golf clothes. Damn. My other thought was anger management, so I'm glad it wasn't that. Otherwise, I would have kicked myself. Ironically, you kick your own ass. (laughs) Quote number four. I don't know. I kind of feel like an idiot sometimes. Although I am an idiot, so it kind of works out. I don't know. I kind of feel like an idiot sometimes. Although I am an idiot, so it kind of works out. Yet again, we've gone for a divergence. <laughs> Shelley has gone for Billy Madison. David has gone for Eight Crazy Nights. One of you is correct. Oh. Uh, what's the quote again? I don't know. I kind of feel like an idiot sometimes. Although I am an idiot, so it kind of works out. Uh, you could be right, David. Shelley? My thought was yours. Ooh. He is oh. correct. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So that was my other thought. I was just like, would he be that clear about it? I was like, okay. Well. <laughs> it's an Adam Sandler script, of course he would. <laughs> Quote number five. What's in the bag, Corinne? Chicken wings? Booby tassels? I'm not going to waste time with that one. You both answered Big Daddy. You're both. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I, I'm not sure what to think of like the constant uh, hooters like bashing in that film. Like, I'm not sure whether women like appreciate that or not. I don't know. Like, who... but then at the end of the film, they sort of go to hooters anyway, and I'm like, well, <laughs> well. What a time to mention that after we've just put it in the film vault. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so after five quotes, uh, Shelley has taken an early lead with three points to two. Yay! Quote number six. And I like Vicky and she likes me back. And she showed me her boobies and I like them too. And I like Vicky and she likes me back. And she showed me her boobies, and I like them too. Oh god. It's out of two, and I may have picked the wrong one. Well, you've both put the same film. Which okay. is Waterboy. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, it comes down to which film is he most likely going to simplistically say that. Um, yeah, I'm sure the love interest in Billy Madison is called Vicky as well. And I was like, because I watched it earlier on, I was like, can I remember him saying that earlier on? I'm so confused. Yeah, it just yeah. seemed like the thing that'd be most likely for the Southern mother to react to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Quote number seven. It's too damn hot for a penguin to be walking around here. I gotta send him back to the South Pole. That quote again is, it's too damn hot for a penguin to be walking around here. I gotta send him back to the South Pole. Cool, you're both in. David has gone for Little Nicky. Shelley has gone for Billy Madison. David? Yeah, I think Shelley. I remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, keeps, he keeps getting so deliriously drunk in the heat that he hallucinates a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be nice now and tell you there are no more Billy Madison quotes. Oh, damn. <laughs> this is the one I've most recently watched. Keep them coming. All right. <laughs> Number eight. I don't think anybody could puke more than a kid. I think I saw a boot come out of him. Uh... I don't think anybody could puke more than a kid. I think I saw a boot come out of him. Hmm. Management. Hmm. You are both. Oh, yeah. The answer is the wedding singer. Ah. Uh, gonna. I was thinking now as well. I was like, uh. It's funny how you always seem to be thinking of the right answer and never put the right answer. It's just because there's so many reasons why they could be in other films, but I was yeah. just like, as I know, it's not Big Daddy. So watch it recently. Imagine playing this with Nicolas Cage. Like, <laughs> the, there would be no contest at all. <laughs> what I can say is, how did you know what the game is going to be tomorrow, Shelley? Um... <laughs> oh no, surprise Nicolas Cage round. <laughs> she. Quite, okay, quote number nine. Okay. See you later, poopsicle. <laughs> okay. You're both on the same line of thought. You've both gone for little Nicky. Yeah. Does that pay off for you? 
Uh. <laughs> that one was Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I, one I, I wasn't thinking that one at all. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the animated monstrosity, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah is, is it like a Christmas film? It is a Christmas film, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a Hanukkah film. Oh, I do apologize. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Cause I mean, it, I apologize to the entire Jewish community that yeah. they have to be associated with that film. Um, <laughs> and Adam Sandler, apparently, I suppose, because... Yeah, that's why I found surprising at Fifty First Dates when they sort of had a Jewish wedding. I was like, oh, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Quote number 10. I want to have children with you. Children. With your eyes and my last name. That's all I want. Hmm. I want to have children with you. Children, with your eyes and my last name, that's all I want. Oh, I don't know. I keep putting the same ones over and over. Okay, so David has gone for Mr. Deeds and Shelley has gone for Big Daddy. Yeah, I don't know. Shelley? Yeah. David? Uh, well, the answer that. was anger management. Uh. <laughs> He's like chasing after like a woman in Mr. Deeds, and there's obviously such a big name thing about his name in that. I thought, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. All I can say is, if you could have seen the amount of exclamation marks that were on this page, I think you would have seen anger management. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the final quote for this game. Oh, ready? Yeah, you're as maniacal as a box of kittens. Again, you're as maniacal as a box of kittens. Uh... Okay, so one final divergent. Shelley has gone for the water boy. David has gone for the longest yard. <laughs> Both short <laughs> films. Yeah. One of you is correct. Shelley. Uh, oh. Which means David is. There we just wasn't just... one from it, so I was like, this mu- it must sh- turn up, surely. <laughs> well, you notice that there's nothing from Little Nicky. Mm. I did tell you. But I asked all the films would be used. <laughs> okay, so that is the end of part one of the endgame. So. With five points to four, going into the next episode in the lead is Shelley Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so what will I have in store for you next time? Okay. We will see. We will see. <laughs> have I got to watch every Nicolas Cage film overnight as well? <laughs> I mean, it might not be Nicolas Cage. I could choose anyone. Oh, Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> Just Shelly, they've been forced to watch them like, no, not the bees, no! <laughs> <laughs> just, just, a, just Craig pouring in a bunch of Nicolas Cage films into like a basket. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you, Craig, and uh, thank you, Shelly, for joining us and uh, inspiring us with this uh, great idea. Well, uh, 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you for everyone for listening to this first part. We will be back with our second part shortly. And uh, yeah, we hope that you can tell us your experiences with uh, Adam Sandler films at home. Do you have the same nostalgia for the likes of Big Daddy and Happy Gilmore? Do you hate them all? Do you love them all? Do you excuse them? And uh, yeah, what ones are you looking forward to us discussing in part two? Uh, Shelley, where can we catch you at the moment? Um, mostly, I guess, Instagram, uh, knitwear cat hair. <laughs> Because uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm traveling in a van at the minute. Well, not, uh, I'm based in Somerset near my mum, looking after her. But um, yeah, just lots of pretty pictures from the van at the minute. I don't know if it actually includes knitwear, but a lot of people are knitting during this time. So. <laughs> I wear a lot of knitted things. <laughs> okay. And they're covered in cat hair. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, you can catch us as usual on Well Good Movies, also on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can catch our parent website, Fresh Take Hub. We can also get this podcast at freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies. Anything else from yourself, Craig, before right. you go and <laughs> watch <laughs> Jack in a dark pit and watch Jack, Jack and Jill? Run. <laughs> <laughs> on that note thank you guys join us and uh, we'll catch you in the next one thank you Bye-bye. bye bye well my, my, my mama just <laughs> mama just <laughs>